is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. All right, today on the podcast, I'm so excited. I have Mike, who is a doctor of physical therapy out in California. That's correct, San Diego. Awesome, cool. So this is the person I was talking about a few episodes back. Um, found your use, but actually I found your blog. I found your blog embedded on someone else's blog, um, brought me to you. It's been helping my knee after so much trouble that I've been having with my knee. So I'm really excited to have you on today. Um, so I want to jump in and hear more about you and kind of like what brought you to physical therapy. Were you just always interested in bodies and movement? What did that look like growing up? Yeah. So good question. I think if you ever talk to a PT, this is probably like the most commonly asked question and everyone's normally has some story about some injury they had while they were playing sports and that kind of got them into physical therapy, which isn't far from what I would say happened with me. I would say like, I grew up, I played a lot of sports. I had, we had family friends in our town, which was a small town and they owned two brothers that owned a physical therapy clinic and my family my grandfather owned a mechanic shop and a car dealership locally and he had been there forever and it was just small town so I always kind of knew that I, I liked the business side of things and then I think being introduced to that physical therapy clinic and seeing what they did made me interested in that I did have an injury when I was younger playing baseball shoulder injury and I was in the clinic and I was doing stuff and they gave me a chance eventually to kind of just hang out and do some little jobs there. And then eventually I interned. And in reality, the reason that I probably ended up going with physical therapy is um, I kind of enjoyed the business side. I loved the whole body aspect. I was super interested in the human body growing up. So I, I think it was easy for me. And I definitely knew that I didn't like how can I wear this right? I, I didn't love like hospitals and you know, the whole, I didn't like the whole thing with like nurses and doctors did. So I knew that wasn't for me. So it was kind of an easy choice for the most part. And the other reason that I honestly chose it is I looked at what they did and I realized they still had a good quality of life. Like they were getting out at four yeah. or 5 PM and I was really obsessed with golf at that time. And I still kind of am. And I was like, Oh man, I can still go play golf. That's then awesome. Now I got married. And I realized that, you know, I'm going to have a baby soon. And that that's kind of frowned upon when you're just you know, working and then leaving the family and playing golf every day. Yeah. So, so, yeah, no, that's cool. I, I think it's interesting to just kind of think about though, like, like a lot of that stuff wouldn't have happened had you not gotten injured, right? Like yeah, yeah. You're injured and you're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. the worst thing ever. And it is, it's not yeah. fun getting hurt, but yeah. like also the twists and turns that happen in life that bring you to where you are. Yeah, it was very cool. It was cool to see them actually, you know, they, they would have a full clinic and you'd have some people on a table getting work done. You'd have some people on a bike, some people doing exercises. And to me, I was like, this just looks really cool. And I grew up kind of working in my grandfather's shop, which wasn't very cool because I was in like a hot environment and I was, there was grease. And a lot of times I was the guy that was like, cleaning stuff when I was younger, you know? So it was, it was a different world. 
I, and I had air conditioning, which I <laughs> enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. The, so the only, the first time that I went to physical therapy, well, that's not true. I went a couple of years ago, but like when we moved, we moved to Chicago from Atlanta Nice. and I walked in and I was like, wow, this, like how you're talking about like people doing like a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. I felt like, so I used to be a kindergarten teacher and I walked in and I felt like I was like everyone, like it's just like a bunch of adults at their own centers yeah. doing like their own thing. And like the teacher coming up and like, Oh, like helping you with something. And I was just, it was like a really cool environment to see. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunate why people have to go to physical therapy, obviously, but yeah. it is kind of this cool thing of like everyone's learning how to move their body in a way that feels good. Yeah. 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 Injuries are kind of, you know, and I, I did check out a couple of your podcasts or some of them. And I, I do think, I think you're talking about, I think somebody was about kind of like trials and errors in life. And that's what kind of makes things a little bit more attractive or exciting. If things were always smooth and easy, it wouldn't be great. And I think a lot of times you see, you know, despite the level of, you know, athlete, these injuries tend to open people's eyes a little bit. And a lot of times that gets them through plateaus or progressions or makes them more efficient or whatever it is kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing too, going to that, like being there opened my eyes to what I want to prevent happening, like getting older. Like it's like, Oh, okay. Don't, don't lose this movement thing. Like, like, especially like, cause I had to stop running. Like I haven't been running, but it's like, just because you're not running doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're not moving. You need yeah. to keep moving somehow mm-hmm. because you don't want something else to happen because you're yes. not moving at all. Yeah. Yeah. The worst is, you know, that I don't see it as much, but there's still a group out there that thinks, you know, rest it until it gets better. And a lot of times you actually see people being told that by certain medical professionals. And it's just like that, honestly, that's never the, I've never seen anyone injure themselves and then, you know, just go do nothing for two weeks and come back better at all. So it's just, that doesn't work yeah. for 90, 99.9%. Yeah, definitely. Someone out there will say it works, but for the majority, no. Yeah. Well, my husband had surgery on his heel, so he had to stop moving. Oh, while. yes. Yeah, there's certain situations where <laughs> you like, have to stop surgery. Yeah. Is one of those, but, yeah, still. But like, also just, like, the um, the depression you you fall into when you're, like, not moving and there's nothing happening in your yeah. brain and you're just like, yeah. I feel like a lump right now. This is mm-hmm. terrible. And it's harder to get started when you haven't been doing anything for a long time, too. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. I think – you know, especially for runners, I would like to run. I wouldn't put myself, uh, I wouldn't call myself a runner, but I will say that I run a decent amount during the week. And people that are extreme runners, for people that are probably listening to your podcast, I think, uh, you know, running is obviously more than just exercise. There's a endorphin kick. It's a time to just decompress. And yeah, you see that big time with people that are runners is that when they're hurt, it's like, I need this back, you know, for more than just fitness and weight loss. I need it for a ton of other reasons. So it kind of, you know, it it gets the clock running, which kind of helps you solve problems quicker. As you know, these people need this for, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, definitely. So on still the pandemic, the never ending (laughs) pandemic, 
the two week lockdown is into month, whatever. I have no idea. Um, so I'm guessing that you are seeing, or I don't know if you're in, in person or you're doing zoom sessions, but what do you, what are, what's different now that maybe you're seeing more people struggle with, um, that are coming to you, what kind of injuries? Yeah, so it's a mix of both. I'm starting to see more people again, but there was also, you know, also virtual. Uh, I think when this first happened, everything was virtual really quick, which I think for the most part, you know, people didn't love, but I think they came to love it just because they realized that, you know, these, these interactions could happen more frequently. Yeah. And it, you know, it all depends on how you're paying to if you're cash versus insurance, but if you're insurance payment, and there's a lot of these telehealth systems that really weren't even collecting co-pays initially, because it was just very confusing is, you know, a lot of these people were like, hey, can we do this like a couple times? Over? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, th- technically we can. And it was actually pretty good because you could get 10, 15 minute calls, checking on people, see how they're doing. So I, I think it is creating a slight pivot or shift in yep. the way things are done, which is cool. So I guess to answer your question, you do, I did see a lot of people during this time that didn't have access to their gym that were actually, you know, and I'll focus on running because this running podcast, they were leaning toward running. So, you know, handful of people I can think of off the top of my head that went from zero to a hundred yep. in running and it just didn't play out the way that they would, that they would have hoped. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I would yeah. say in lots of different entries. Yeah, it, yeah. it varied. Mm-hmm. That's definitely how like I messed up my body like five years ago was okay. let me go from zero to 100 yeah. because yeah. it's super inspirational to go yeah. from zero to 100. And, and it's also like praised a lot, but it's like, mm-hmm. wait a second, is your body actually strong enough to be doing this thing that you're trying to convince your mind to go do. So you're seeing people go from zero to 100 kind of sedentary or, or also if they were going to a gym and now they're running, what things were they like, what injuries were they having? Yeah, it's all over the board. It's obviously probably the most common ones would be Achilles issues, plantar fasciitis issues. I had someone that actually had uh, both of those, but also some pretty intense knee pain as well. I've had some people with hip specific pain. So, I mean, obviously most of it tends to be lower body, but I'd say, you know, as you work down, the percentage of injury just gets higher. Yeah. 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 So if someone did, maybe they started listening to this podcast and they were Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I am going to start running during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we've already said, don't go from zero to 100. What would you suggest with running? What is like zero to one? And what are the other exercises you would recommend for someone who's like just starting out with running? Yeah, that's so tough because it's really so specific to the person. And I was, I was kind of thinking about maybe, you know, because you get a lot of questions and they tend to be general questions. And usually the recommendations, it's like the better you know a person and the more interactions you've had with them, the more you know their personality. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the more you'll, the more you'll adjust 
what you say. So I guess it just depends on that person. If that person is relatively active and they're going to the gym and they're just kind of, you know, they don't have access to weights anymore and they're shifting more to running, I would say the best thing that you can do is to start out slow. I think there's a lot of different progressions out there that you'll see in terms of, you know, the intensity that you should be running or how many miles you should be running and how you should progress that. Um, but I guess like one study I can think of specifically just makes a point that people that are increasing their mileage 30% or more over the course of about one to two weeks tend to have more injuries. Mm -hmm. So the person that I, I think of the most is actually my father who he has these, he has these big periods of inactivity yeah. to intense activity. And I, I always laugh because he'll, uh, he'll track his miles on Strava mm -hmm. and he'll keep updated. And then he always comes back and tells me what he ran, like his mile time when he was like 21 in the military. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, yeah, you're not, you know, so that's like, that's what his expectation is. Oh yeah. And I, and I honestly, like, I don't, I, I like it. I, I'd rather see someone on that end of the spectrum than the other end. But in reality, it's like, sometimes you have to take a step back and really look at where you're at and really be disciplined in how much you run. Because sometimes, you know, depending on what Pandora channel you're running on, and how the motivation's flowing, you know, you, I see people that they start out with, you know, one to two miles, and then week two, they're at five miles. And it's like, like, listen, that's, that's a ginormous, that's more than a 100% increase, mm. in what you were doing. So if, if the stat is 30% increase tends to generally lead to more injuries, especially in people that are starting to do more distance running, you know, you're just kind of asking for trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah. When you said that, like the, like it's, that's more than a hundred percent increase that, yeah. but you're like, but it's only five miles. Like yeah, so no, it's only five miles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is so true because, but there's, um, there is something like kind of going back to your dad and like, well, this is what I did when I was 21. It's like, right. But you're not 21 anymore. And like, yeah. you're not in the same body that you like your body has gone through so many changes since you were 21 and how you were sleeping and how you were eating and just so many things that are so different. And even just like, I think the other thing that we're forgetting too, is like, this is still a pandemic and like the, um, the mental stress that we have like that, like it's still there and we're like, we're forgetting better. We're like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to start training for, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like just do it slower. Just do it slower. There's no finish line. Just do it slower. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it can be dramatic for sure. So if I had to give a piece of advice, and like I said, this is just, it's, it really depends on the person, but let's say, let's say someone starts their day and they wake up and they're running, you know, like a mile to get started. If that's not you, if you're just like, you know what, I haven't exercised in a long time. I don't want to hurt myself. Maybe I'm a little bit overweight. You know, a lot of times I'll just recommend these like walk run progressions where maybe you're, you're walking for a minute and you're running for a minute and you're building up to a mile. But I would say for the most part from week to week, don't, 
don't make increases of more than about 10% in terms of distance, right? You can get, you can play with this a lot and you can do, you know, you know, you can do uh, the intensity of your run and your, your pace and stuff like that. But for the most part, I would say keep it under a 10% increase just to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I like how you even just said, like, work your way up to a mile, because I think that a lot of people, I had my friend Erica on the podcast, and she was talking about how she will see people who go from couch to 5k, which is like the big running program, couch to 5k to physical therapy. Yeah. Like, oh, I like that. <laughs> that could be a, that could be a physical therapy promotion. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. you did the couch to 5k program and it had yeah. you start out with, um, I think it starts out with 30 minutes of um movement and you know it's not that it doesn't tell you to do you know try to do three miles but i think a lot of people we like we just have in our head like oh i'm supposed to be running a 10 minute mile i'm supposed to be it's not okay for me to do a 15 minute mile i have to keep you know like no what if you just started with like one minute on one minute off and work your way up to a mile that's yeah it's a lot slower, but it, that's not sexy and that's not no, fun. And that's not something not. to post on it's social not. media to show yeah. your friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you, can always, <laughs> you can always fudge it. If, it, if it's about the friends, I, I hopefully my dad never hears this, but I, I was home. My parents live in upstate New York mm-hmm. and I was, I was home for a week, um, not too long ago. And I actually went for uh, a couple of runs with him. And what's funny is I would actually catch him a lot of the times he would be running and his pace, you know, he's a great example. His pace, he starts off so fast. Mm. I, I swear he, he, we went on one run with a couple other people, uh, family friends of ours and the run literally started in uphill. And I swear he started the run at a six thirty. And I was like, dad, I was like, this is not going to end up good. So he gets about, you know, three minutes in and then it gets, and then it's like a 10 minute pace and yeah. then he's, and then he's walking. Yeah. So it's, you know, he starts out hot and then, you know, every now and then I catch him pausing, pausing the Strava, you know? So I think he's, I think he's fudging <laughs> the data a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you gotta do, do what you gotta do. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just, I would, I think setting a, a, a comfortable pace is, is good you start out slow don't increase more than 10 percent. and a lot of times you know when i'm running with people i think the big thing i see is i think they're working harder than they need to and a lot of times that's coming down to their breathing pattern so you, you see people that they just don't really know how to breathe correctly and i know there's a lot of different advice on this but mm-hmm. if you can control your breathing and you can run at a pace where you can actually breathe you're probably running at a pace that's appropriate for you in that moment so mm-hmm. i mean I, i'm like i haven't heard i haven't heard all of your podcasts so i don't know what recommendations have been thrown out there but generally i, I think the best thing that i've seen or the best thing that's worked for me is something that um, when i was in college there was a guy that did a lot of triathlons and one of his things was that he was taking a breath in and then he was doing a, either like a three or four count breath out. So a lot of times people are very worried about getting oxygen in. If you've ever been a swimmer, big thing with swimming is get carbon dioxide out. So you need to make sure you're breathing out. So a lot of times I'll, I'll breathe in one and then 
I'll breathe out three. And that kind of gives me a nice pace. It's something that kind of closes my mind off a little bit and is a little bit more meditative. Yeah. So I think that is a, a good start for people. Just find something where you can breathe comfortably. And for anyone listening that says like, do I breathe in through my nose, or my mouth? Obviously this is very up to people, but I will tell you honestly, like when you start running and you're getting tired, it's going to be a lot of work to try to keep breathing through your nose. So mm -hmm. you'll see people all the time, good runners, their mouth is open and they're taking an oxygen however they can get it. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, I like that approach of like, well, just learning to listen to your body and learning to get your mind to focus on your breathing and like help mm -hmm. your body learning to run with that versus learning to run with like the gadgets and the tech. Well, but it says I have to be here, but like, okay, cool. Yeah. Can we, like, can we get more in tune with this? And then we can focus, like yeah. figure out the fun, like cutesy stuff later, but like really yeah. like coming from your body. That's not something that is usually taught or, um, I don't know. I feel like that's something that you have to like place your ego aside to yeah. actually like, where's my body right now? Yeah. What am I doing? What's important for me right now? Yeah, the that's a that's another good point because the the gadgets, you know, I love the high tech stuff, but honestly, something I'll do with a lot of my patients, especially if they're older, is I'm not I'm not relying on I'm not relying on their heart rate in that moment, especially with a lot of them because a lot of my patients, especially older ones, are on medications for hypertension. So you see these blood pressure medications actually the way they control blood pressure, their heart rate is not reading accurately based on how hard they're working. So what I have to do is I'll use a, a rate of perceived exertion scale. So the scale's kind of weird because it starts at seven and goes to 20. So seven would be you're sitting on the couch, 20 would be, you know, you're laying on the floor or on a stretcher. Mm -hmm. So what they do is and are you familiar with the RPE scale? No. Okay. So, so what they do is each number tends to have like a number associated with it based on how hard your heart is working. So like where your heart rate max is at. So normally I'll try to get people in like a 15 and it really depends on the situation, but somewhere probably between like a 14 or 16 on a scale of seven to 20 is a pretty you know comfortable spot and i don't i don't have the scale out in front of me so someone can check me on this but it, it's probably you know if you're at a 15 16 you're probably at about like 65 percent 70 percent effort in terms mm -hmm. of your heart rate mm -hmm. so for for people that are running instead of checking your phone and seeing where your heart rate's at and seeing what zone you're in i would say just how hard are you working so you can say 7 to 20 you know if you feel like you're 18 19 you know, it, it just depends on your goals. If you're on a sprint, great. But if you're just out on a run, you know, I'd say shift it back a little bit. Try to get into a pace where you're breathing better, where you're closer to a 15, 14. If people want to simplify it, they could do like a one to 10 scale and say they're close to maybe a six or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. I, well, and I think about this too. Um, this is like the perfect time to get more in touch with like your body and your breathing because there are no races. There are no races. <laughs> There's no external thing to be working towards. So what a wonderful time to like, what, yeah, what is my breathing? Like, what is my heart rate? Like, how does that feel? How hard am I working? Um, I love that. I was going to say, cause that's the other thing too. Um, 
I think that this time during the pandemic, we're learning like all of these things that were external can just be taken away or shut down or closed or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. braces would be closed. I could lose my watch. My watch could fall off. It could just break. It could just, like, there's so many things. Yeah. But can I figure out, like, can I use my body? Can I use my head and my body to figure out how hard I'm working? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very cool. I was actually, there's a good friend of mine who is in Baltimore. She's also a physical therapist. She loves to run. Her name is Annie. Um, and her, her actual, her Instagram handle, if anyone's interested is pace doctor. And she actually posts a lot of things on there about injuries, but we went on a run in Arizona once and we did some trail running and she's, I mean, she's very good. She's very fit. She can run super long distances, way more than I probably can run or want to run, especially in Arizona heat. Yeah. <laughs> but something that when we were on a run, it actually, it started off relatively on an upslope. And when I, I said my greatest, my greatest superpower is that I'm totally blind to slopes. So I'm not totally blind to slopes. I realize yeah. I'm going upslope, but my wife, who luckily is not here right now because she get mad at me, but if it's a 1% slope increase, she knows it right away. Yeah. And she, she hates it. I really don't feel like I notice slope until it's, it's more noticeable, which helps me a little bit. But where I'm actually pretty in tune is not in slope, but based on my breathing and how hard I'm working, I have a really good idea of what my pace is at. So when people can really like tune into their breathing and they know how hard they're breathing, you know, a lot of times throughout a race, I think without having to look at their watch or a pacer all the time, it, it becomes very easy for them to say, you know, I'm at a, I'm at an eight minute pace right now. I'm at a seven thirty pace right now. And the more accustomed you get to running longer distances, how hard you've been working, you know, I think your breath and your RPE can really tune you in to, you know, everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's helpful. Thank you. Um, I, when you were saying about the going up the slope, so because I'm not running right now, we've been biking a lot. Oh, cool. And, but we're in Chicago, which is very flat. Like it's flat. But I'll notice, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this slight hill that we're going up, which I laugh about because we were in Atlanta before we were here, which is, Atlanta is crazy. The hills are terrible. And I was like, how was I running up those? But this tiny slope on my bike feels so difficult, but it's just, yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's just me getting in my head also. What kind of bikes were were you using, road bikes? I just got a new bike. I actually, um... Did you know all bikes are like, you can, it's very hard to find a bike right now. Oh yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been looking, yeah. I've been looking like the last month, but I just got a new, it's a hybrid. Okay. Um, tried in the city. Um, and it was great. I had been just riding like this hundred dollar bike I had from target yeah. from, like five years ago. And now I'm like, wow, like I can, it's, it's so wonderful. Um, but are I was you just right in the do. city. Yeah. Oh, you are. So, yeah. So I, so I've been there a couple times and I've been downtown and I actually, Chicago, as long as it's not too cold or too hot, which <laughs> that's a tough time to find, but the, that's probably one of the coolest areas that I've been to just based on 
the running path that mm. runs right along the water. Oh, yeah, the there, lake. because yeah, yeah. literally people will swim along the running path for miles. It's really cool because open water totally scares me. But the fact ah. that I know I, I could like bail out and have some runner like pull me out of the water would make me super excited. Yeah, no, the yeah. it. I always tell people, um, people will message me be like, oh, I'm headed to Chicago. Where should I go run? And the lakefront path is amazing. And they, there's, they'll do triathlons there as well. Um, that's amazing. It's wonderful when you get a little bit further south of the city, like just mm -hmm. south of downtown, because it just opens up so much. And then you can, like yeah. the skyline is beautiful. And then the other place that's really great is more recent, um, the 606 path, if you're ever back in Chicago. Okay. 606, that, um, you know, like the High Line in New York? Yeah. So yep. the 606 was made a few years after that, but it's an old railroad track um, and it goes through the city and it's really cool too. Cause you can just, you just see so many different things and it's just, it's beautiful um, to run on or bike. Like that's been a great thing too. We yeah. um, will bike over there and then it's just like smooth sailing and oh, cool. you forget you're oh, there's a garbage truck coming by. You forget you're in the city cause it, or, um, it's just so quiet and peaceful and yeah. Yeah. But there are some really great spots and that's in Chicago. So usually the Chicago marathon, when there's the Chicago marathon, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the races downtown, it's very flat. It's very flat. And then you'll get to like the last quarter mile of the race. And it's, again, it's like this slight increase, but it's, and it, I think just because it's at the end of the race and you're like, why, like, why does this keep happening? Why is it just right here? Why can't this be the start? But it's so yeah. slight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. I, uh, Chicago. So moving to San Diego, San Diego has great food. It tends to be great Mexican food and we live near kind of like little Vietnam. So there's mm -hmm. like great Vietnamese food. However, Chicago is probably one of the best food cities. I've ever been to. Yeah. For sure. There's just a lot of variety. There's like yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, we, so we did a road trip. So I'm like, so we lived in Atlanta and then we did a cross country road trip mm -hmm. uh, for 30 days. It was amazing. But like we got to, basically we were running away from the snow and got to California as fast as we could. Yeah. And then we were in now I can't remember what city we got to first, but San Diego, we loved, we visited a mm -hmm. friend from college and I felt like there, like you had the beauty of, um, being on the beach, but it wasn't, um, and it was still a city, Yeah. but it was like, actually we ended up extending our stay. We stayed at a hotel on the beach and then we stayed at an Airbnb like further into the city. And then we stayed at like a, like a motel or something like a little bit on the edge. And then we went to this really amazing Airbnb, um, probably 45 minutes out of the city. And we were just like in the middle of a mountain or a hill. Or I don't know what it was, but yeah. it was just like, yeah, it was so great. And we're just like, cool. this is amazing. Like mm -hmm. that was our, our favorite place. We, yeah, we stayed there for probably almost two weeks. It's so great. Yeah. yeah, we actually, there's Big Bear is not far from us. So you can travel about two hours. You can go to the mountain. It was dumping snow up there. You can go like ski or snowboard. You come back down the mountain and then you're back at the beach and people are like surfing in the same day. That's amazing. I know. It's 
pretty nice. Do you feel like you're more active because you live there versus being in New York? Uh, yes. <laughs> I actually, I lived in Baltimore for about six years before we came here. But yeah, it, it's literally my parents laugh when they come visit because you turn on the weather channel and it's literally always the weather people have the easiest job. It's like 75 sunny every day and everyone's everyone's always outside. Yeah. Yeah. I think now that I think about it, there was a girl that I from Instagram who was like, Oh, you're in San Diego. And I ended up meeting up with her like at her Mm -hmm. bar that she worked at and she was from the Midwest and she was like, it's a little bit more expensive to live here, but she's like, I just call it a sunshine tax. Oh yeah. Like she's like, I could be on antidepressants and pay money for that living in the Midwest or I get to be outside all of the time and just enjoy life. It's like, it's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a sunshine tax and you can pay, you'll see houses closer to like Washington DC going for really close to what this is going for. So, I mean, you know, to be there yeah so you said you're just a little bit of runner but then you mentioned like you run a lot but what how what are your favorite ways to stay active what do you love doing yeah so i I do a little bit everything i think i i lose interest quick so i shift a lot i would say running is just something i i like to do in the morning just because i think it generally takes me a while to wake up so if i can just go out and not have to think and just run that's just a good way to start my day I I I do do a lot of weightlifting, but it's probably more of like a hybrid CrossFit type thing. I've I've done CrossFit right now. Obviously, the you know you're not getting into gyms to do anything like that. So the thing I like about CrossFit is it's just a nice mix for me. I really love the metabolic stuff, so I I like to feel like I'm absolutely destroyed after I do something, which, you know, probably most runners would probably fall into that category as well. So when I was in college, I had a roommate that was a pretty knowledgeable dude and was into like Olympic lifting. So I kind of learned Olympic lifts. And obviously, like as a physical therapist, you know, everyone's like, well, isn't CrossFit terrible for you? And it's just, if you do it right, and you do it well, and there's a system laid out, it's very effective so that's what I do there is a while where I was doing uh, a rock climbing gym Mm -hmm. that's down the road and that was a ton of fun so something different on the body uh, tons of like grip work that was required for that and that was cool too so I, I like I like to vary things as much as possible to keep from getting bored I think the one thing that I've taken, like, while I'm, like, taking this break from running is that it's, like, opened up, like, okay, if you're not going to be spending seven hours a week running, it's opened up, like, well, how else can you move your body? So it's, like, okay, like, just now I don't have this part-time job (laughs) of running. So it's, like, biking and walking and lifting weights more. And, um, yeah, I went to a rock climbing well before the pandemic rock climbing gym like there's just there's so many more ways to like move your body and I think that that's a fun thing so like if you think about it it's like what's fun and different and then also just I think about like what's happening in your brain every time you're trying new things like you're like right like you're creating your new neural patterns you're helping your mental health as well yeah 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 Yeah, 
I think you're right. I think every, you know, and I go back to the CrossFit thing, just because the, the thing that I like about it is there's always like something new or there's like a new move that you have to kind of learn that you can't do. So, you know, I was trying handstand walks recently, which was, I was terrible at. And I think my wife thought I was going to like break my neck in the backyard. But eventually once you get it, there's just so much that goes into it in terms of like shoulder strength and stability and core and awareness. And the same with rock climbing. What was really interesting with rock climbing is that I didn't realize how much core or like, you know, stability around the spine that it took. So, you know, they're very specific about hand placement and foot placement and trying to put the feet and hands in a place where you're relatively stable and it's more efficient. And it's funny how much work that was for me, but how I actually felt that translate into everything else. I felt like my Olympic lifts became a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I also felt like when I was running, um, I was a little bit more in tune with my posture and alignment and awareness. And, you know, I think there were certain endurance components in my running, especially relative to my core that started to stand out. So it's just, I think the more knowledge you have of how the body works and can work, it, it, it feeds into other stuff. And, you know, with that said, I, I think there's a big tendency with all sports where, you know, we have video cameras now, we have tons of technology and you, know, you, you see a lot of cues. It's like, well, your foot should strike here and this should land here. But sometimes just telling someone that, it can help, but sometimes it can hurt. And if, if you can relate the running form to something else or like a, a feel, yeah, you know, I think feels are very important. So it's just the more variety you add, I think it can help in surprising ways. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, just the way your, your brain is thinking about those things. And I think that that makes sense. Like if I can feel it in my body versus looking, because if I'm looking, I like get nervous, like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to look. Like, does this look right? Uh, but can yeah. I actually feel it in my body? Can I feel yeah. where, where it's, how it's supposed to feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, anything else that you want to leave with people as, you know, it's, let's see. So it's August as we're taping this, it will unfortunately start to get colder in other places in the country besides San Diego. And this pandemic is continuing on. What suggestions do you have for people um, that you want to leave them with? Good question. Mm -hmm. So I heard you mention somewhere that, you know, when you started to kind of invest you know, your time or money into people to help you, it, it kind of fast track things a little bit. Um, something that, you know, when I, when I reflect on other sports, I always get nervous about hiring someone. So if it's like, you know, I love to golf, I wish I was better. So I always get nervous about hiring a coach. Cause I'm like, I don't want some coach to come in, start nitpicking on everything, totally change this and, you know, not make this enjoyable mm-hmm. make it more work. But I think a lot of times if you have someone take a look at you, mm-hmm. at least that you trust and let you know what they see, you know, I, I think it's good to have a, a plan. So especially if you've injured yourself in the past, if, if you can go to someone that is familiar with treating injuries, but is also relatively competent in running, I think it's, I think it's very helpful. So yeah. I, 
I'd recommend that. Awesome. For sure. And the other thing is, uh, I would, I would say it's very interesting to, when you watch someone run on a treadmill, you can pick up a lot of information from it, but you can also pick up a lot of information from just running with someone. So I don't get to do that as much, but when I do, it's always interesting. You know, how much time do I have? I have a quick story. Go for it. We have hours okay. and hours. <laughs> okay, quick story. So, so I actually, I had a good friend of mine that sprained her ankle probably about four months ago. So I checked out the ankle, we moved it around a little bit, and then we, I just identified some stuff. So she still had some, some strength issues. She had some you know, tightness that had sort of developed because of the injury, still some swelling. So we did some things to make sure, you know, that she got the swelling down. So like we said before, like nothing generally isn't a good idea. Don't just go home and sit on the couch and wait it out. But we did some things to control inflammation. So she was elevating. She was, she might've been doing a little band compression, like which is something you might've seen mm -hmm. in the video. She did some ice. So we got things normalized in terms of swelling. And then gradually she started incorporating some things for ankle strength because right? when I was testing the ankle in different motions, it was just testing a little bit weak. So she got the strength going, she was doing some stretching and she was relatively good. So she felt great throughout the day. The only time she had pain was when she was running and it would be like a sharp pain. Sometimes it would be right away. Sometimes it would be, you know, half a mile into her run. So when she came back and I checked her, the, the strength was there. She still just had some tenderness in the calf that was a little bit more intense compared to the other side. And then we actually went on a run together, which was cool because when I'm watching her run, she was actually like a very efficient runner. She wasn't doing anything crazy. Um, I would say, you know, when I look at people, I don't try to change a lot. Like I said before, I, I would rather give them, instead of telling them where to strike on their foot, I, I'd rather give them visuals or things to just think about in their run. So I think her cadence was a little bit slow. A lot of times that's my first initial go-to is I'll, I'll encourage people to get their cadence up. So if you see people falling in like the 150s for cadence, it's kind of low. Uh, you know, you'll see really good runners probably upwards to like 180 plus. I'm not telling anyone to go there, but I'm saying I'd like you to shift closer. Maybe we're getting 165, mm -hmm. 170. That's a lot less time spent on the ground. You're more efficient. And I think it just tends to avoid a lot of kind of, stress that's going on to the body so for her she was a really efficient runner not much i could pinpoint but i actually i just asked her what she was feeling mm -hmm. and or what she was trying to do because i think mm -hmm. a lot of people go online they read stuff they have ideas and she said oh well i'm a little bit more on the outside of my foot on the side side that she injured and i just asked her why she was doing that and she said i think she just she didn't really know or it might have been something that she had just kind of adopted mm -hmm. to try to prevent some strain in the past and all I did was I said, like, why don't you just try to feel like you're pushing off the big toe as you go forward? Mm -hmm. So she started doing that a little bit. She felt like she kind of got leverage off the big toe where she really didn't feel like she was getting to the inside of the foot. She changed that a little bit. And we like, I went in and beat up on her calf a little bit and worked out some tender points. And after that, she was running terrific. So she wasn't having pain. It was better. So I, th I think sometimes it's just there's a lot of layers to get through. You can look at how people are running, but you also have to ask them, you know, what's their mindset? What are they thinking about? Do they have any certain technique things they're trying to do? And then you have to get through some of the clutter to see if they're trying to do things 
that aren't really right or appropriate, or if they think they're doing something mm -hmm. and they're not doing it, which a lot of times the camera can be helpful for that. You feel like you're doing something, but feel isn't always, always real. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, your videos on YouTube are so helpful. Um, and your dog is really cute. <laughs> where, where are the best places that people can find you um, if they wanted to work with you or just catch more of your information? Yeah, so rehabrenegade.com. So you can go there. I have tons of blog stuff. Uh, you can link that to YouTube channels where I have some videos that people can check out. And yeah, if they want to set up an appointment, I'm in San Diego. I can do in person if they want to do something else more virtual. I can also provide that as well. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much today. Yeah, no problem.